0: Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson.
1: I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. We're now located at the Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus. Um, so today we are going to talk about a few things holistic and nothing can be more holistic than going back to the roots of a pet's original diet. So we're talking ancestral wolves, um, you know, sort of like the human caveman mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah, diet.
2: caveman diet.
1: And you know, all the holistic people are into Um, Grain-free. Well, grain-free became a huge, big buzzword, but something happened. There was an instance of dilated cardiomyopathy, and there were maybe how many cases to start this?
2: Well, they originally purported that there was 2,000 cases in the the original study.
1: Reported to the FDA. So people started saying grain-free food, and veterinarians started saying grain-free food is causing these pets to suffer from dilated cardiomyopathy. What is that?
2: Well, dilated cardiomyopathy is a condition in which the heart becomes too large. And uh, the left ventricle is the high-pressure part of the heart. So that's going to push out pressurized oxygenated blood. And when the heart gets too, that chamber gets too large, it doesn't allow full evacuation of all the blood supply. And so the pets become uh, hypoxic, especially to the brain. That can lead to problems with... uh, What does hypoxic mean? Hypoxic means that the the blood oxygen levels are going down too low. Uh, The brain is most sensitive to this and sometimes can cause fainting spells or loss of balance, dizziness. Uh, But most often, DCM or dilated cardiomyopathy is usually found on physical examination. Most of the time, this is a silent problem until it advances to heart's big enough to see clinical signs.
1: Oh, okay. So that's dilated cardiomyopathy. Now, how did they tie together protein sources or grain-free dog foods as the issue that caused dilated cardiomyopathy?
2: Well, it appeared back in 2016 that the FDA was uh, concerned about the increasing number of dogs that were having DCM. So they carved out this section of of, uh, the population and started to study it. Uh, What they put together with the combination of reports, um, you know, from the media and things like that uh, in, the, in the public, as far as the, the social media, is what I want to say, is that they realized that, okay, we've got a problem with diet, because all these reports coming in kept saying diet, kept saying diet. Um, they didn't really put two and two together. They didn't do the research, they just took the word, basically the word of the public, of what was going on, and unfortunately, um, there wasn't as many cases uh, related to the diet as was originally thought. Uh, there was a nutritionist who did a lot of studies uh, back around the same time and realized, okay, it is there's a, a multifaceted problem with it, not just diet alone, but they were quick to report it publicly, which they later in 2020 here realized, okay, we probably shouldn't have discussed this publicly, we should have got the truth first before we realized, okay, there was a you know, not as a diet related problem, 100%, we couldn't, uh, they couldn't prove it. Okay, specifically.
1: So the way they did it, though, was really weird. They instead of like coming out making like a big announcement saying, Hey, you know, maybe we jumped the gun, or maybe this wasn't like kind of what we thought it was. um, A lot of the pet food industry people are really angry because instead of, you know, making a public announcement where like everyone would hear it, your know, press releases, the news reports it, that kind of thing. They went to a small conference in Kansas at the university and they reported this information as kind of jumping on, kind of was made too big of deal of a deal. Most of the animals, at least half of them had something else wrong. Half of them were kicked out in the first place because half of them didn't have anything to do with grain-free dog food. So and then the rest of them, it was, you know, very small. There are a lot of other factors that go into place. There's genetics. There's what else? Uh, current health conditions. Mm-hmm. Age. Age. Yeah. What's the diet been like this whole time? So really, they didn't find a whole lot of evidence. When they, they said they says, it's basically inconclusive. So... Um, You know, it was really the way it was done. I think is what really angers people in the pet food industry because they were making so much progress. Mm. Everyone was, you know, starting to understand, you know, this is the way dogs need to eat. And to your credit, Jim, you said, you never said, you said, just keep feeding it. And I remember you saying that in one of our podcasts last year, just keep feeding it. Keep going with the grain-free diet. Don't let this distract you from what it was. So I don't know what was really behind this. I mean, sometimes, you know, your conspiracy theory (laughs) portion of your brain starts to work and you kind of like, I mean, was it grain producers? Was it, you know, a middleman who set this all in motion or was it just bad research? And one of the articles we read was by a veterinary nutritionist and he, you know, he works in the pet food industry and he was super angry about it and You know, he said that he felt that it was just kind of set in motion by people who were just really uneducated and didn't really understand all the elements of pet food. So, and and what he said was like, it's chicken meal, it's beef meal, you know, like all the different ingredients, they couldn't even really tell you what those were. They didn't have a very clear understanding of what this was all about. So he thinks, you know, just like a lot of people just, got on board and started this big announcement and it really in the end fizzled out on them and they didn't make it, they didn't own it. I think that's what makes people in the industry so mad.
2: Yeah. They didn't come out to really say that, you know, we should have done it differently. And, and that happens sometimes. we got to be transparent about it. But I think that was the biggest point. There was a lot of transparency with the study uh, it was just kind of one sided information. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately what they realized is that it, if they would have studied the digestibility, that's the big thing is whether that taurine is going to be available in the diet. There's probably plenty of taurine in there, but the, the more dense the fiber, the harder it is for that to be absorbed. Uh, so digestibility is really important. And that's the key point to any nutrition. You can have all the great ingredients in there, but if the animal can't absorb it, there's really no point, you see. So that's the truth of it is what was in it, how digestible was it? So ins and outs. Uh, and that's really what should have been studied, according to the researcher and nutritionist.
1: And I think one of the most appalling things, um, and if you've you know you've gone to all the trouble to be in business and produce this pet food, is that they actually named 16 pet foods that yeah. were cited as a problem. So obviously that's going to impact the brand. And then they kind of sneak out of it. They're kind of slimy about it. I don't know. I would be so mad if I were those brands. But that's 16 brands that people have, you know, been told to avoid. Um, but then no actual real conclusive evidence that DCM is created by pet food, by grain-free food. So I don't
2: know. Yeah, multi so, sort of
1: like, for sure. Yeah. I don't know how much like, of it is just stupid or how much of it was, you know, like an attack. I don't know.
2: I don't know. The, the, the truth maybe comes out later on. I don't know. Um, I just
1: hope that people will hear this and not like we get asked this question all the time because we do have a holistic pet store, you know, and we do, um, you know, sell, I think, do we even have a grain? Well, we do have a grain, couple of grain foods, but they are... Um, ancestral type grains. So weird stuff that people don't eat now. I mean, I mean, we're all having to start to eat it because of the gluten problem, but Mm -hmm. spelt and millet and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But most of our foods are grain free that we sell here. So, and people, you know, I hope will embrace this information and share it and pass it around um, to all your friends and let them know that grain free dog food is not bad. And that's the instantaneous thing people will say is I can't feed that that's bad.
2: Yeah. And it's. Then you have to go
1: through a long right. thing about explaining, no, it's not. And then, oh, I don't know. Should I trust you? Because it's bad. <laughs> you know, It's just sort of like, um, it's sort of like the number, like that the online pharmacies have played on veterinarians for about the last 15 or 20 years. So, I mean, I've literally had clients say stuff like, I can't buy the product here. That's bad. Right. And I'm like, what do you mean it's bad to buy your pet's product from us <laughs> it's not bad okay i mean we have uh we're the ones prescribing the product so you should buy it from somebody that you are trusting to prescribe something for your animal but it's sort of like the same thing now once this gets out you know the message doesn't necessarily get out the follow-up message doesn't get out so i hope it does and i hope that people start to understand that this you know is better why do you think it's better anyway why is a grain-free diet better
2: well it. You know, we think about the, the primal instinct of our domesticated dogs. Obviously, they came from a uh, more wild animal. The wolf is kind of the trademark animal that we think the dogs came from in a lot of cases. And we think about what they might have eaten. Um, they eat mostly meat and bone. Um, what happens is that with with meat and bone being... The, the primary staple is how much grain would that dog or wolf actually eat? Not much. You know, they'd only eat what was maybe in the stomach at the time that they killed the animal. Yeah. Okay. And they would choose what they needed. Mm-hmm. We kind of think about cats when they go out and hunt a mouse, you know, it sounds gross, but at the same <laughs> it's time, our house this week. <laughs> they, they eat the parts of the mouse that they need. Sometimes they eat the whole thing because they need the whole thing, but sometimes they'll leave parts. And Someone left a tail on our porch the other day. Right. And they don't they don't <laughs> not want to necessarily eat that. But the, the point is, is that if they were given free choice, they would eat what they needed to satisfy their nutritional needs. Now, when we make dog food as humans for them, we domesticated dogs. They live in our house. The nutritional level has to match up with the, the primal instinct of the dog. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, depending on, you know, if you're eating exactly the same thing every day, there's days where that's really going to help you and days there it's not going to help you quite as much. But they don't have a choice, right? You're feeding the same food every day. Um, so nutritionists have their hands full in trying to provide as close to nature as we can because it wasn't the grain that was causing the problem. It was how the grain was raised. If they put herbicides and chemicals on the grain, it gets into the grain and then if we process that grain, that gets into the dog food. If it wasn't processed, it would be less likely to cause that. But you're not going to hand your dog um, a bowl of corn. They're just not going to eat that. But when it was put into a protein and put some uh, something that basically resembled beef on it, they would eat it. And they got along pretty well. I mean, mm-hmm. the original dog foods were made in the 40s uh, during World War II because they had to send – dog food overseas that wouldn't rot on the way right so they realized at the time the grain was the best thing to use because they didn't know any better they didn't they, that was the best that they could do it was cheap and right. it was easily just, made
1: just evolution of the product just like right. so many other things that we've evolved in over you know time
2: right because in back then there wasn't as many chemicals used for raising crops as there are now uh, so I think a lot of the grain issue came more from chemicals than actually feeding grain. Um, it is hypoallergenic, uh, and, or allergenic, I should say. The grain-free food is hypoallergenic because we're basically just giving protein. Now, the more you process that protein, unfortunately, uh, the greater the risk that you could have food sensitivity. Um, and that's also been an issue, especially with food allergies and skin issues uh, related to uh, leaky gut syndrome and absorption. So, but I still feel that grain-free is the closest we can get to our primal ancestors for our pets.
1: Unless you're going to make your own dog food, which is totally cool. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that coming up in a few minutes because we had some questions on our Holistic Vet Advice page on Facebook. It's Mm -hmm. Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. So, you know, to really sum it up with DCM, um, and grain-free food, it's not bad. You can use it, and it's actually advised that you do.
2: It's the best for them.
1: Okay. All Very good. Oh, we do have a question. Let me just check those here just a second. Uh, we'll just keep going. I'll have to get the question in just a minute. Oh, Mr. Cayupa says you look alike.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I, I did shave my beard. <laughs> that was really nice. Thank, <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> so, um, Catherine says that she's noticed that her St. Bernard Thor doesn't scratch or itch all the time now because she stopped sharing her peanut butter toast with him. Has she, she happened upon something?
2: Well, you look at the ingredients here. So, first of all, toast. So, you've got <laughs> bread uh, and usually wheat uh, or whole grain uh, toast. And so, that's the most allergenic of that. Peanut butter. It uh, depends on the type of peanut butter that you're using. Uh, most dogs can handle peanut butter just fine, but they are a legume, and legumes can cause irritation and itchiness as well. Because it's right there, readily absorbed. The, pr- the more the food is processed, the faster it goes into the body. So you think about that, uh, peanut butter toast for a dog, they have a very, very fast GI tract, So that energy zooms right in, has to be processed almost immediately. So it's sort of like taking a sugar packet to them. Little bit's fine, but if you're finding that they're becoming allergenic to it, those are the things that I talk to clients about, first of all, to eliminate, is what little extra things are they getting. We eliminate those first, get back to the main diet, and make sure, okay, if we're handling the diet just fine, then it was something, uh, one of those extra ingredients. And it's usually something processed. Very yummy, okay. but dogs love it. You
1: know? Oh, I know. We used to have a dog uh, named Blanche before we lost her. Uh, she was a golden retriever, and she would sit every day, every time, and demand a corner of my peanut butter toast.
2: They <laughs> absolutely so love it.
1: I mean, <laughs> And our dog, Benjo, you just kind of almost you know if you leave it out or he can get the cabinet open, he's going to eat all the bread. He used to have bread every day. His owner, former owner, Deepa, used to give him a slice of bread every day. And he loves it. But you can just tell when he does it because you don't even have to find the evidence. because so yeah. he's itching. Yeah, look in his ears.
2: It's all already yeast. Yeah, his there. ears
1: just get smelly and he itches all over. So, But dogs love bread. I don't yeah. know.
2: But Either let's way. face it. I mean, the more processed it is, the yummier they have to make it, right? It's, it's, so if, if we're going to cook down a dog food, the, the dogs and cats would probably rather have it in its natural form, well, if we're going to cook it down, we have to make it palatable. And palatability is the key point. So the more processed it is, the more delicious. But the more it releases dopamine, which is just a quick fix, a quick satisfaction. You want food to release serotonin, which is more sustainable and makes them feel better after they eat. So they're not craving food and craving food and craving food. Let's face it, if I go to McDonald's, not to pick on McDonald's, but I love McDonald's. Is that you love Culvers too? And I love Culvers. <laughs> no, let's let's face it. I'm I'm a butter burger. Fan He'll eat too, Wendy's so.
1: all the time. Yeah, it used to be Wendy's because that was closer than Culvers and McDonald's or whatever.
2: So fast food, and the reason I love fast food is that it, <laughs> you know I can eat it, but I'm hungry right afterwards. I shouldn't. It should be more satisfying, but it's not. It's fast food. It's just put something in your body so you can get through the day. And uh, that's what we want to be careful with dogs and, and our pets is we're putting the right to nutrition in that's sustainable to them, that makes them healthy. Um, it's more complex than just buying a bag of food and, and giving it to them. Uh, we really, as, as consumers, have to be um, more in tune with why we feed them and how we feed them versus just feeding them uh, because not all dog foods and cat foods are made alike.
1: So this week, we posted um, some questions to our audience on our Holistic Bud Advice page with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. That's on Facebook, and we'd love to have you join. It's a private group. Um, So the question was, what do you feel you've struggled with the most with your pet's health? And we, you know, of course, like to hear everyone's stories. So we did get a number of stories. So we um, can start with, uh, we've got... Okay, so this is the one that comes up a lot. And I've, I think we've answered this question a lot. So I think I'll put it on the page. I'll like start a section on the page for this for you guys, okay? So feeding, Lala said feeding them species-appropriate diet, which is raw. Mm-hmm. How, what, and how much, without worrying about the fact that I'm making things worse for them. I have two senior dogs. Would love to be able to give them fresh raw diet, not commercial. So... Uh, okay, so where do we go from here? So we wanna know, first of all, very common question, how much should they be feeding if they're making a raw diet? So let's just start with that one then we'll talk about
2: the ingredients. Okay, well raw food is, we're talking about basically the meat and bone and a few other ingredients but the, the main amount is one to 2% of their body weight. So if, we're, if we take uh, say a 50 pound dog, okay. Ah, two percent of the body weight would be about a pound. Okay. Okay. One uh, percent of body weight would be about a half a pound. So you would you'd have to get a scale and you have to weigh it. Mhm. And if we're going to add organ meat, that's that's very good too. So about twenty percent organ meat, brown bone or calcium is is should be in that uh, meat as well.
1: Calcium powder or.
2: Ground bone or calcium powder. Okay, it's better to just. It's very essential. You're, you're right. If one. you're feeding, uh, you know, chicken, or if you're feeding beef, if if you have, uh, and it's good to invest in a meat grinder because you can grind your own meat. Just leave the bone in there. Uh, if you get a meat grinder that can mm-hmm. grind bone, then you're getting the essential amount of bone in there. Um, so once you have your amount, then for next, uh, you have to make sure that we're balancing the diet. And because micronutrients are the other thing that we have to be careful of. So making sure that we have a, a good vitamin, uh, vitamin C uh, is really important. Uh, the second thing is the micronutrient calcium is very important. And if we're putting uh, actual bone in there, that's great. Powdered calcium, uh, we need to follow a recipe. And there's a lot of really good recipes out there to make a balanced diet. But then once you start feeding it, you want to pay close attention because now you're going off the grid. Uh, it's not FDA approved because they didn't approve your diet. But at the same time, what they're looking for in good nutrition is how's the pet doing on it? Are we, are we seeing a good, happy dog that's eating or a cat that's eating all their food? The second is how's the coat look, uh, how the nails look, uh, how the ears look, you know, in terms of their general health? Working closely with your veterinarian if you're gonna go on to a raw food diet is important, especially the first year that you're doing it because nutritional imbalances are very important, which is a key point. You probably shouldn't start your puppies on a homemade diet because nutrients are very, very important for a growing dog. So you wanna, if you're gonna go raw with them, wait till they're six months old and use a commercial-based product until they're a year old. Once they're grown, then you can start experimenting a little bit, but you gotta get them grown up till if so the first year when the growth plates close, that's you know, when the, the time that you can experiment okay. with the diet.
1: So if you had um, a plate and you were gonna divide it up like a pie, what part is what?
2: So one slice of that is your your extras. So if you want to add some vegetable in there, if you want to add some fruit in there,
1: what percentage of the pie?
2: And so that's going to be about ten percent, really, to twenty percent of that diet. Huh. So roughly, the rule of thumb is three parts meat, one part other. Okay. And that other is where all of your micronutrients are in your um, your fruits and vegetables. If you want to use those, uh, are because it's so it's a not three to one much. ratio, right? Because okay. you think about the wolf, they're going to be chowing down on the meat, they're going to be eating bone, and then they'll eat a little bit of, you know, what's in the way. They don't really, they aren't really going for the intestinal tract. It just so happens as they're eating that they're going to eat some of that. Okay, well,
1: yeah. Good thing America's dogs don't have to do that. Right, now. you just send them out and go <laughs> hunting.
2: That would not so, be a good thing. So
1: uh, Jen also had a question about this, and she is, you know, has some concerns about whether or not the diet is fully balanced for optimal health. This is a raw balancer. We're always talking about this product because yeah, it's great. One this hockey. one is from dog bloom. And you know how we talked about having to have the vitamin C, having to have the calcium that's already in here. It has choline, um, panathenic acid, all your basic vitamins, plenty of vitamin A for eye health, Uh, Vitamin D, which is really important in animals at this point, uh, just like it is with people having such a situation with vitamin D, and um, just everything else, all the minerals and everything. So that's all contained in this raw balance booster. This is made with real cheddar cheese. So... I'd be very surprised if you had a dog that would need it. I've asked people, you know, can I have a sample of it? And it's like, well, I don't think they have any. (laughs) (laughs) But I'd be very shocked if your dog did not eat this. So made with real cheddar cheese, um, a really great product. And then you don't actually need very much. It's only two teaspoons for a pound of meat. So this giant thing is going to last you forever. And all their products do. They're just so concentrated. You just need a little bit and they're all really flavorful they're either made with liver or real cheddar cheese. And that's the one that we always recommend to everyone. It's a company we've known for quite a long time since Very good. when we lived in Ohio. So anyway, um, Jen, thank you for your question. And also Lala, thank you as well for your question. So we're gonna take a little break here. And um, when we come back, we have some more questions from our listeners. Anne has some problems finding out what to do with sneezing and allergies for her dog. And then we're gonna talk about eye health. Robin um, wants to know about cataracts and so does Lala. Actually, she was also discussing that as well. We have a listener review that we're gonna talk about and we're gonna draw for this big thing of Skittles. Okay, see this? We had a little um, contest. So we had a little, you know, voting contest and this was one of the prizes. Uh, for the uh, presidential election was this patriotic thing, giant thing of Skittles. (laughs) It's so heavy. And we had two people who guessed really, really close to the Skittles amount. So we're going to draw between those two names for that. Very exciting. Yeah, (laughs) that was fun. We'll also talk about veteran dogs and the impact that they've had on uh, America's veterans too. So we'll see you just a couple of seconds here on voiceamerica.com.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something unexplained that is missing in your life. You'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry is known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to HolisticVetAdvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. And we'd like to see you join our Facebook page, which is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. And it's a private group. We have a lot of uh, interaction going, a lot of other people helping others. Um, Elizabeth, we really appreciated your advice to Miss um, Pixley about the peppermint shampoo that you gave on our group page. Um, and then I wanted to talk to you sometime too about your bone broth um, because she has this great recipe. She makes bone broth and she's probably one of the most holistic people I know. And um, sometime I'd love her to come on and tell us how she yeah. does this bone broth and she's very consistent with her holistic program. So hopefully Elizabeth will see you soon with that. Um, So that's just some of the information that you'll find on our holistic vet advice page. So we did ask the question this week, what do you feel you've struggled with the most about your pet's health? And we do have some more responses to that. But uh, first we have to draw for our big um, three and a half pound patriotic Skittles that we had for our little, you know, tongue in cheek um republican democrat trump biden kind of situation it's still not quite sure if we have a president but kind of maybe not i'm not sure but anyway we had a little fun with that and uh one of our people here is that that entered is going to be getting some patriotic skittles. okay we had a bunch of people guess it just right how many skittles were in this jar we don't want to pull them out and count them because um you know it's covered nobody wants to touch anything like that so We had to Google it. It says there were 1,350 in the Skittles jar, and Andrea Lewis, you have been chosen. Thank you very much for entering, and this big giant (laughs) jar of Skittles (laughs) is just for you. So thank you very much for doing that. We had a little bit of fun selling um, Republican and Democrat uh, animal-shaped cookies for the dogs. These cookies um, were actually pretty tasty. They smell like gingerbread. They're wonderful. Um, they're from the Preppy Puppy Bakery. They were super cute, but we sold more Republican than Democrat cookies. We did. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the way the rest of the world <laughs> went, but whatever. <laughs> that's just what happened with our sales. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of a fun thing that we did. Okay. So um, it was Veterans Day yesterday, and we just wanted to highlight a few of the dogs that have made such a difference in... Um, uh, veterans, uh, dog veterans that have made such a difference in the army and you know the air force, wherever they have been used, um, dogs are obviously a wonderful addition to this. Chips, Kaiser, Nemo, Smokey, and this cute little dog named Stubby. These animals were found on a uh, website which is called the Dog's Life. So. Um, this article is super cute if you want to look it up. Um, Stubby was this adorable little, like, pitbull, maybe boxer-looking mix. He's very cute. He was found stray on the Yale campus in 1917, smuggled into World War I. And um, this heroic dog's acts include participating in 17 battles or offenses and improving troop morale. So he was absolutely adorable. And we don't want to forget this cute little Yorkie named Smokey, who um, was also involved in many combat missions, and Smokey is very, very sweet, um, taken into World War II in the Pacific. So, went to, cute little picture of her, uh, Smokey with sitting inside of an Army helmet, so very sweet. But thank you to all those dogs who have served, and of course, all the human veterans who have served as well. So, um we also did this cute little survey yesterday on our Riverside Animal Clinic page, our basic clinic page, and I wanted to ask, what does your pet call you? So, <laughs> at home, <laughs> I think my favorite one was from Carol, and she said, um, when she had Rudy, he called her mommy. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you want to be called, um, you know, the pet owner? Or do you want to be called mom or dad? Mommy, daddy, um, you know, what is it? What, does, what do you perceive your animal probably calls you? Um, and for me, I don't know, we have so many animals that they all kind of had their own voice, their own personality. So everybody calls me something different. Yeah, right.
0: right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> At least that's my perception of how they talk to me. <laughs> and, uh, for Charky, your daddy. Yeah. 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 And I, I think mom and dad won a lot and grandma and grandpa win a lot too, yeah. uh, in our little, uh, survey impromptu survey that we did yesterday. Thanks for everybody who <laughs> participated in that. It was super, super cute. All right, so back to what's going on in our Holistic Vet Advice page with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Uh, What do you feel you've struggled with the most with your pet's health? So um, Anne says she can't find the recommendation for what to do with sneezing and allergies in her dog. So I guess it kind of, where do you start with something like that as far as sneezing and allergies goes?
2: Well, we have to start with the environment first, Um, and it may not always be obvious, but as we, it's it's more of a conversation with clients when we talk about environment and their exposure. Uh, Often we don't realize, okay, we're using a certain product in the house. Uh, It's a new product, so especially if it just came on and they hadn't had an issue before, is we want to strut around for anything that's aerosolized that we may have used for the first time. Because uh, dogs and cats both respond um, probably two or three times as much to aerosols as we do first of all they're down closer to the product on the floor if we're using floor products um, their airway they must have a greater sensitivity to smell and to uh, reactions to smell uh, than we do so if we're spraying aerosols uh, we want to be really conscious of that
1: so like hairspray would be you know like the stuff in a can right aerosols yeah okay. yep. anything so
2: aerosolized including um a spray ball? spray bottles
1: Oh, spray oils, okay. All right, so um, that includes like hairspray, um, anything in a can that you're spraying, right?
2: Yeah, deodorants, hairspray. um, Foot spray,
1: there's all kinds of stuff, and you know, like environmental, or household cleaners, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, what about the spray, um, you know, like spray bottle of like bleach or
2: something, or cleaner? Yeah, because it's atomized. And once it's atomized, and usually in a spray bottle, the mechanism that they use to create the spray uh, pushes the liquid through this little mechanism and creates a mist, which is the molecules are atomized. They go immediately into the mucous membranes of the nasal passage and create Mm -hmm. irritation up through the sinus tract and into the conjunctiva. So it can cause runny eyes, uh, nose, uh, sneezing, uh, even coughing if it gets into the lower airway. Okay. Uh, Also environment, the time of year, like now, perfect time where all the leaves are down on the ground, you're gonna see a lot more uh, pollen, uh, a lot more molts potentially as the leaves are decaying. Um, They're harvesting right now still, so you're gonna get a lot of harvest dust. And so those can impact dogs seasonally. Uh, Cats, we have to remember, cats have the closest respiratory tract to us. So anything that makes us sneeze or have any eyes chances are it's going to make your cat have sneezing or your eyes as well.
1: Okay. So what about the whole allergies thing is there's, there's, there's two things here. There's allergies and there's sensitivities. So sensitivities right. um, can sometimes get overlooked. And I don't think people understand the difference between allergies and sensitivities.
2: Well, sensitivity is that um, say that you sprayed a product and I sneezed at that moment, that's a sensitivity. But uh, say that um uh, That, all I had to do was um, get in contact with similar sprays and it made the same thing happen. That's an allergy. Allergy is muscle memory to that condition. And it just keeps going and going. Um, Weirdly enough, when we do SRT, say that um, I was eating Skittles when you sprayed that and made me sneeze. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Now, every time I eat Skittles, I could potentially have a runny nose, sneeze, or cough.
1: Okay. because
2: it's called association. Environmental association is really important because color, uh, sound, uh, touch, uh, not only smell but in taste are all factors that the body records that data. So even if you come in contact with something that What's happening at the very same time mm-hmm. can create irritation in the future. So that's the memory. I think
1: I have, I think I have aversions to a lot of things from yeah. from associating them with something else. So yeah. It's, bad memory or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. So what should she do now if she, you know, is looking at sneezing and itchy eyes?
2: Well, two things that you can do. One is an SRT analysis in which we can do biomapping. Uh, biomapping is going to give you some clue as to what's locked in the body, what the body's stressed out about, if there's chronic stress, it, and if it's related to something environmental or if it's related to something genetically. Um, the second thing is you can do a standard allergy test. Um, the problem with the allergy test itself is it may not catch those chemicals. It may only catch uh, you know plants and food, which may not be as specific as we want. It's a little more expensive test, but at the same time, if you do suspect that maybe it's pollen or or food, then that would be a, another choice that you have.
1: Okay. All right. Um, I also wanted to thank um, Deidre for the review she did on Steve's Real Food. Um, it's the Lamu recipe. It contains green-lipped mussels and taurine. She really did like this food, and her dog went crazy. So mm. they loved it as well. Steve's Real Food has a lot of great stuff in it. This is I didn't bring back the frozen stuff because I didn't want it to you know, like, go bad or defrost or anything. So Steve's Real Food carries all these wonderful little jars. Um, right now, I think they're transitioning everything over to frozen uh, products, but um, these little jars have so many good things in them. So this is pergurt. Um, they have carnivoreage and canigurt. And all you have to do is fill it up to there. And it lasts in your refrigerator for, I think, 7 to 10 days or something. This one has raw goat's milk, red krill, coconut flour, beetroot, salmon oil, L-lysine, grass, nettle, mullein leaf, marshmallow root, and tocopherols. I think I said that right. Mm-hmm. So that's what that all has in it. It's a great little added supplement to any raw diet or any food at all. They have just a lot of really good products. Steve's Real Food does a lot of the work for you, so you're not, like, going out trying to find different things to um, get into your pet's food. It's just, it's like done, it's a good product, and
2: you'll do well with those. wonderful additives uh, that you can add to the diets we mentioned earlier, even to raw food diets, um, or even if you're making fresh food at home and you just want a little extra something in there, mm-hmm. uh, great products to add, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. It has a lot of different herbs. You can look up, you know, all the different herbs, of course. Yeah. And uh, we have, in past episodes, gone over some of the herbs and some of the items in the carnivore forage. Um, the goat's milk is always one of your favorites.
2: Yeah, it's very neutral. You can give goat's milk to a baby alligator. I mean, it's neutral across all species, for sure. All
1: right. Well, when you yeah. get a baby alligator, <laughs> you know, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna do that. The vet who works here actually had an alligator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of our vets. Yeah. <laughs> right. Owned an alligator till not too long ago. Son was a big guy. I think his name was Bob right? <laughs> was it Bob or Bill?
2: Bob or something. Yeah. Bob I think it, was, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it was pretty. Funny. Anyway. Um, okay. So another thing on our list today was to talk a little bit about cataracts and eye health and some of the things you can do for that holistically. Um, we've had a couple of questions on our holistic vet advice page with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Join it. It is on Facebook. Um, okay. So these people, Robin and Lala had questions about cataracts and actually, so did someone else. So um, Kathleen, I think, also did as well. So they are curious about, you know, first of all, what are cataracts? If you could just tell us, I think most people know mm-hmm. what is it.
2: Well, cataracts is the uh, the uh, the crystallization of the lens, and not to be mistaken for lenticular sclerosis, which is a normal aging change to the dog's lens, and it looks like more of a gunmetal blue. That's what lenticular lenticular sclerosis is? is? That's what lenticular sclerosis is. Okay. The true cataracts, um, and they're diagnosed by your veterinarian with an ophthalmoscope, uh, looks like a piece of crystal and bicycle spokes. Oh really? Um, and it means that the whole lens has become crystallized in which no light can penetrate uh, back to the retina. Oh, is
1: there anything you can do about that?
2: The, the true cataract, um, unlike humans, there's only one method uh, to completely help uh, eradicate blindness associated with true cataracts. And uh, the anticipation of anterior uveitis, which is a much more painful condition in which the lens touches the uh, color part of the eye, is that um, to remove them. Now, uh, the cataract, not the the cataract itself. Uh, And the cataract itself, uh, usually in juvenile cataracts in which young dogs um, uh, develop cataracts early in life, usually less than the age of five, uh, can have this procedure done and it's quite successful uh, and and even can have a uh, a prosthetic lens put in place. Now, as dogs get older, because cataracts are due to other conditions such as diabetes and other metabolic-related diseases, um, often the removal of the cataract uh, it does not help uh, improve the odds that the, the pet's going to feel better. Um, unfortunately, if they do develop anterior uveitis over time, it's a, if you can't control it, um, nucleation unfortunately, is the only uh, best way to manage their quality of life because it's so nice painful.
1: removal of the eye.
2: It's removal of the eye. Yeah, so but yeah. lenticular sclerosis is just the covering of the front part of the lens uh, with a kind of a biofilm, if you will, uh, in which… Uh, they can still see, but they can't see in detail. They can't see as clearly. Um, and there's been some products that have come out and have been out, out in the past to help clear that up. None have been really successful, although I've had uh, where you can actually see uh, almost a halo with some of these products in which it's condensing the lenticular in sclerosis. So they can mm-hmm. see better peripherally. They still can't see very well straight on
1: okay all right there are some supplements though that might help maybe in the prevention of this bilberry is one of them um might give you a little bit of you know ease as far as that's concerned uh, Spamming call, yes. okay sorry <laughs> um we have um tcvm um in traditional Chinese veterinary medicine, the eyes medicine, the eyes are related to the liver.
2: Mm-hmm. It is, and so um, using different products that help support the liver. Uh, there's uh, Liver Happy, this one that comes to mind that I use a lot, uh, especially for conjunctivitis okay. um, and for eye irritation, for right. sure. There's uh, the other ones that have been very very good, uh, vitamin C, especially with rose hips, vitamin A he has been uh, also used, especially for Cocker Spaniels. That's uh, about 5,000 milligrams a day. Um, The other thing uh, is uh, antioxidants uh, are something that's very, very useful as well uh, to reduce inflammation.
1: Where do you get antioxidants for dogs?
2: Well, antioxidants you can use. uh, CoQ10 is one of those that can be uh, used. And it's just over the counter in a lot of these products. Some are veterinary products uh, that... But most of the time, you purchase these over the counter.
1: Okay. So, CoQ10 is one. Mm-hmm. Do you have any others up your sleeve?
2: The uh, well, vitamin C is an antioxidant. Okay. As well. Yeah. Rosehips, uh is also echinacea is a great antioxidant as well. Okay.
1: All right. So, all of those things. But once they have the cataract, there's not really much to be
2: done. True cataracts is usually um, you know something that's permanent, so we can't really reverse the true cataract. Okay.
1: What about the dry
2: eye as well? They had some questions about that. Well, uh, this condition is called conjunctivitis sicca, uh, in which the uh, meibomian glands of the eye, which are the pro- tear producers, start to atrophy. So they're not producing as many tears. But tears are also antibacterial, so that's why when they do have dry eye, that you see that greeny, greenish, yellowy gunk that's coming out of the eye too, because not only do you not have moisture on the cornea, you don't have antibacterial effect either. And so uh, acupuncture can be one method uh, to increase tear flow uh, around the eyes. If the patient is accepting of it, mm-hmm. uh, we use small needles around the, uh, above the eyebrow and just below the eye to try to stimulate tear flow. And it can help. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that most commonly, uh, a product called Optimune is used to, um, anti uh is used to help stimulate tears but also add the antibacterial effect. Did to you use artificial tears for? Artificial tears are really good for moisture, often incorporated into a, the treatment with the lotion or, or the ointment, I should say, uh, or the liquid uh, to basically make tears, is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so that eye flesh is really good, um, especially uh, because it has a, a soft stream that you can really get in there and get all that mm-hmm. product out of there.
1: What you're looking um, for is a bottle that's really soft. Um, there's a product called OcuSoft. Uh, last time I tried to get it, I couldn't get it. It was on back order. Mm-hmm. And it's just like one of these squishy bottles. And it makes it like really easy to just get that in there and dose it or just clean the eye out with that one. I really like that. But I think that one is... Mm, I don't know. Last time I checked, it wasn't available. I don't know if it is at the moment.
2: Anyway. The one, the one that we've used uh, for Cherokee is uh, colloidal silver and also okay. be used uh, on the eye as well.
1: Colloidal silver. Why does this work?
2: It, you know, it's, <laughs> it's such a wonderful product. Yeah. Um, there, there's so many different ways that it, that it helps. Um, it's basically a standalone therapy uh, to support the body in its recovery uh, it's not a replacement for you know traditional medicine when the emergency warrants it. But at the same time, um, the product uh, it basically stimulates the immune system and it helps support it and target the area. So I,
1: I This helped her eyes a lot. So she yeah. did some in her eyes because her eyes get this really gross buildup on them because she's at the end stages of panis. But um, this has helped tremendously, and she also takes it internally. So just, um, like, we just fill up the dropper like this. And um, so drop, like, a couple drops in each eye, and then the rest of the dropper, which is about a quarter of the way full, goes in her little mouth. Yeah.
2: so Very very useful, topically, Mm -hmm. internally involved. Yeah. Very safe.
1: Um, So real quick, um, we were talking about the peppermint shampoo that – Elizabeth was discussing with um, Miss Pixley. And she said, is there another way I can use the peppermint for her cats? She could never give her a bath. Um, Is there an oil I can use to rub on her skin that's peppermint? I'm pretty much gonna probably tell you the answer is, don't do it.
2: Yeah. Peppermint, um, you have to be careful of the essential oils and that's what most of the time is in these products. if you do use these products on the skin, you have to make sure that you try it on a very small area of skin to make sure that it's not going to cause a reaction. Uh, the reaction itself, unfortunately, uh, is what can cause further irritation because the essential oil gets under the skin and affects the dermis. So it's probably not a good idea um, to use that unless it's heavily, you know, it's, unless it's diluted out properly. Like a
1: drop to a cup, basically, right? right? I mean, yeah. It's a it's a big dilution. Like yeah. you can't really use that much because their little nose and sinuses can't take it. You don't want to get into that, having another problem on top of the problems that she has currently going on. Right, well. right. We'll get to the bottom right. of that. I know we will. <laughs> All right. Um, so congratulations on your Skittles drawing here. <laughs>
2: yeah, there's a lot of them. You're gonna enjoy that.
1: This is fun. <laughs> and then I just wanted to do a shout out about our ozone therapy again. So for the ozone therapy, um, it's going really well. We put in an ozone maker. The ozone maker then goes into the bathtub. Now, there's one issue with ozone it likes cold water, not hot water. So, you really have to fill your tub up um, for these dogs that are coming in here. They're coming in here with skin issues, allergy issues, where the skin has you know, got the peak stuff all over the paws all over their groin area or anywhere really. Um, They have um, Fritos feet or they're just overall smelly. So, so far it's actually going really, really well. We've done a tremendous amount of ozone therapy on animals and um, it involves soaking them and just like continuing to bathe them and and pour this ozone water over them. for about 20 to 30 minutes. So then you do the shampoos that are, you know, custom to whatever the skin condition is. And then you do, um, from there, you just, you know, kind of see what else the animal needs. But basically 20 or 30 minutes of ozone therapy, you walk into the room when the animal goes in and you're like, okay, that is smelly. It's mm-hmm. yeast, it's bacteria, yeah. microorganisms that your dog just picks up from, you know, being a dog and walking on their little, doggy feet and everything outside and rolling around and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, within 20 or 30 minutes of the ozone soak, it's over. There's no more smell. And I think the good um, result of that is it's lasting people a lot longer too. So they're not, they're coming in, they're really getting clean all the way down to the hair follicle, all uh-huh. the way down to the pores, yeah. the skin's super clean, and all those smelly yeasty kinds of things are gone. So we are kind of like into that. So, Ozone therapy, I think, is going to be a new, really big trend in yeah. animal care.
2: Very good stuff because it helps do um, a lot of times, biofilm has a certain conductivity to the skin. And what um, ozone does is basically change the trajectory of that so the bacteria and yeast can't attach themselves anymore. Mm-hmm. So I can knock off the, the bad ones, you know, not the good good right. flora.
1: Right. Interesting. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a good therapy. We're just going to kind of keep posting you. Uh, updates on it because uh, we're kind of into it. It's, it's going pretty good. So anyway. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your time and we'll see you next week here on voiceamerica.com.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.